Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Age of Geek. <laughs> Robert, you and your wardrobe changes. <laughs> I love yes. it so much. So, <laughs> Robert, remember you're doing amazing. Utah Remote Con, and every single time, we, we would have like three back-to-back, and... Uh, Robert would change from one outfit to the next just to just to match whatever we were talking about, and it was amazing. Yeah, we we are talking tonight about DC and Marvel uh, and the different movie universes that they've created and the directions that they're going. And before we get into all of that, I just wanted to say that so that we can say in context as we introduce our guest, Robert. He asked us which one we were doing first, and as we dropped out of the stream and came back in, he had put on the Green Lantern jacket because we're starting with DC. So Robert. We always appreciate you being here. You're always so well prepared. Well, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. If you uh, if you've listened to movies that make us, you know Robert. He's been on a few of our episodes, especially recently. We love having him as a guest. We're excited to have him here. Have we had him? Have Have you been on Age of Geek with us before, Robert? I have not. Well, well welcome to this show. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, if you if you're not familiar with Robert's work, you can look up on Instagram Action Figure Theater. He has some amazing toy photographs that he takes that are every day is a new photo, and they're always really great. They're always on theme. I love it, so I look forward to those every day. And today we're talking about DC and Marvel. We wanted to do this episode. Here's here's our reason for this episode. Marvel just wrapped up Phase Four. DC just had Black Adam come out and then some major announcements after Black Adam. And it feels like both these cinematic worlds, universes, multiverses, whatever you want to call them, are kind of at a seminal point right now and going in in new directions. Uh, and we thought it'd be a good time to kind of talk about where each one is headed, both behind the scenes and in the films themselves, um, and what the future of each one looks like. And we thought we'd start with DC. So they had Black Adam that just came out. That was kind of their big film this year, League of Super Suicide Pets. Squad earlier this year, or was that last year? I think Suicide Squad was last year. year. Okay. Was it? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, that was a good one. That one was a lot of fun. It we were, was definitely uh, way out there, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we were supposed to have uh, Batgirl. Oh. Yes. But uh, yeah. that got completely canceled after... But we did, we did get the Batman at the beginning of the year, which I can't believe I almost forgot that that one came out this year because that one was pretty good. <laughs> but that one's not really part of this. I don't know what's part of it. I'll be honest right now. Nobody not- really knows what's part of the DC extended universe thing. But it's just the DCU now. They're not even doing extended anymore. They're just calling it the DCU, yeah. which means that the movie fans and the comic fans are going to be like, which one are they talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to have some kind of see Marvel's got it good cuz they've got the MCU. And so you know it's not the comics even though C could stand for comics too. But they I just guess. say the, they just say the Marvel universe for the comics. Yeah. But the funny thing is both the comics universe and the and the cinematic universe are both the 616 universe. So you can't just say the Marvel 616 and be like, "No, I'm good," right? Yeah. And what number is DC? Cuz I know they're not one. Do you remember? D, well, I mean, DC has a universe in Marvel. They actually designate, and I cannot remember what it is off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, no. Because I, of the amalgam stuff and, the, and yeah. the crossovers they've done, they actually, Marvel does have a universe for DC. Yeah. 
I know it's shown up in a couple of different comics where they go to a different part of the multiverse and there's like someone who looks suspiciously like Superman flying through the air and stuff like that. Yeah. But with, uh, with black Adam, we got a couple of things that came as a result of, well, I don't know as a result of black Adam, but around the same time, one of them for sure is we got to see, I was very excited about this. We're going straight to the end and spoiling the, the <laughs> in credit scene. I'll be honest. Black Adam's fine. It's a fine movie. Like it's not the worst DC movie that's ever been made. It is not. And, no. and I like, I like Dwayne Johnson. I think he's a great actor and I think he brought a lot to the role and he definitely had a lot of passion for the role. Um, I'm still not sure which came first, his passion for the role. And that's why he did the role. Or if he, signed on to do the role and got very passionate about just because he's it's his role and he figured that's what makes it the best i think his passion for it came first once he learned about the character okay um because he's been this isn't just you know flash in the pan for him no this is something he's been looking at for 15 years yeah or working on or trying to get produced for 15 years so it's not like he just woke up a year and a half ago but you know i want to make a black adam movie no yeah it has been in the works for a long time that casting i remember when it leaked and then we never heard anything about it and then we heard about and then we finally got the movie so i know he's been passionate about it for a long time i just mean like he's always very sure of himself that black adam is the most powerful dc character and is the most incredible and whatever and i'm like i mean black adam's fine (laughs) but but he's not he's not i mean He's never been like a main player. Yeah. I mean, before this movie, I'll be honest, I didn't know a single thing about Black Adam, the character. Okay, but to be fair, before Iron Man, how much did you, before the Iron Man movie in 2005, how much did you know about him? Not much. So, I mean, the same thing. I think that DC, yeah. with this phase or this wave instance of the universe, whatever you want to call it, has, <laughs> has done kind of what Marvel did and goes, let's take somebody who's a little more obscure, put yeah. them up front and build around that. Which yeah, I think is, which is, is good. Yeah, no, it's it's totally fine. Like I I actually I've really enjoyed this movie. And I think that's partly because I had no idea what to expect going into it. And so I, I had seen I mean I've seen all the previous um PC EU you whatever we're calling it i dc I movies it's just call them dc movies you guys before tonight i didn't know what the e stood for in dce <laughs> i'm like wait like... that's extended or i guess i didn't realize that there was a difference i'm like it's all the dc movies like it's all together i didn't realize there was two different distinctions but anyways um that's how much i know about the dc uh if it, if it makes you feel any better marley yeah. Warner Brothers and DC, they don't know if all of the movies are together or separate or how they all fit. Yeah. And so going into Black Adam, again, I just did not really know what to expect. And I actually ended up really liking that movie. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. There, it wasn't perfect, but it also led me to go online afterwards and look up some stuff mm-hmm. about the character and kind of figure out like, okay, so who is this guy? Why does he seem like Shazam a little bit, you know, or a lot a bit? But so, anyways, it was just kind of cool to to go and do some research on it as well. Yeah, yeah, and 
You guys are going to be shocked by what I have to say here. Oh, boy. I actually like Black Adam. <laughs> Who are you? What have you done with Kyle? I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's weird. Okay, well, okay. What, actually, let's take, let's, let me take that. Let me roll that back. What was it about it that you liked? I liked that he was an out-of-the-ordinary character that we that we don't see on a day-to-day basis. That he has, you know, he's very uh, Batman, but a little more extreme as far as he has his own rules, right? Uh, he's not bound by, by any specific, he doesn't care about what the Justice Society has to say about him, right? It's about what he thinks is the best way to go about things, which... Yeah, killing people sucks, <laughs> but at the same, but not apparently same to time, him. like yeah, he doesn't mind it. And, he's fine with it. I mean, I, I love what you just said there, Colin. That you love him because he's out of the ordinary and different. And then went on to describe every anti-hero that's been in every superhero movie well, ever. Like, well, yeah, but Punisher, like Deadpool. I mean, he, okay, but let's let's take a, a different, a slightly different take on that. Black Adam is a man much i mean really out of his time and for mm-hmm. when he was around 5000 years ago it was it was an eye for an eye or you have hurt me i will make sure that you never do that again to yeah. anyone else so he's very much acting as a man of his time out of his time he's captain, captain america, america extreme so i do you understand that reference colin I, I did. Reference to Marvel. <laughs> that was for you, buddy. Trust me, the, the, the Marvel side, I have no problem remembering. <laughs> so I, I think, I liked The Rock's interpretation or Dwayne Johnson's interpretation of Black Adam. I think uh, you can tell he cared about the character, and I think that that's really great. Um, I thought it was really interesting that we had Doctor Fate and Hawkman in the movie, and didn't tie in any of the Egyptian lore to them really at all. Uh, even though that would be the whole reason to have the two of those characters in the movie with Black Adam to begin with, but no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had no idea. I don't want to go too far into the weeds for people who don't know a lot about Black Adam, but yeah. yes, prior to nineteen, I guess it would be eighty-five, um, during the crisis when they rebooted the DC universe the first time, um, <laughs> Black Adam was an Egyptian character. And then DC had the wisdom of going, you know, we really shouldn't bag on Egypt like that. Let's just make up a country somewhere around Egypt, call it Kandak, and just move on. Mm-hmm. So the the tie to uh, Dr. Fate and especially to Hawkman for, the, for Egypt is not as strong now. And especially for, for people who don't know much about him or his right. history, it's not, you know, they don't have that affiliation, especially... Uh, since uh, DC 52 back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s um, when they made him, when they brought him back and established him as the champion and ruler of Kandak. Mm-hmm. There's your five minute flash for yeah. who Black Adam is Marley. I'm here to help. And DC 52 was the second time they rebooted the DC universe. No third. How many times? It... Oh, the DC universe has rebooted at least six times already since yeah. 1986. The fact they do this with the movies is really not that weird since they've done it with the comics for years. But the real thing that stood out, of course, was the end credit scene that leaked on the internet before it even was in theaters to watch. And we got to see Henry Cavill back as Superman. And that's kind of been hanging in the, like, we weren't sure if we were going to see Henry Cavill as Superman again after 
Justice League and after Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and he's always said he wants to come back and play the character. But this was kind of the first time that the that the studio hinted that we might get Henry Cavill again as Superman. Second time. Okay. Shazam, though, like we don't get to see Henry Cavill. Like that's a fake what more in doubt for me is the fact you got to see the S, but not not Henry. What? <laughs> oh goodness! Kind of along those lines, I I have to mention too. Right, right around the time we got that announcement or that reveal, we also got an announcement from Henry Cavill saying that after season three of The Witcher, he's done being The Witcher, and someone another actor is taking his place. And I think that caused a lot of, I don't know, uproar. Because, like, seriously, like, the internet lost its mind that day. Everyone was just, like, freaking out and just, like, well, why? Oh, so you're going to just go off and do Superman again? Like, why Why can't you do both? Why can't you be um, Clark, Clark Kent and Geralt of Rivia? Like, why can't we have both? And it's just kind of there's a lot of upset in the geek community. Well, there's there's likely going to be multiple projects that he's doing at any given time for the yeah. DC universe, and so scheduling would just be a nightmare. And production for Netflix shows are are pretty extreme as well. Why are yeah. you defending him, Colin? That, well, that's that's what <laughs> I'm hoping because I'm hoping I have out. no tie to The Witcher. Yeah. You don't? You haven't, I haven't seen The I Witcher? Haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Okay, has anyone else here seen The Witcher or just me? Okay, thank you, Robert. <laughs> Robert, what would you rather see him in? Superman or Witcher? Mission Impossible, duh. No, obviously. obviously. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, um, I've enjoyed him as The Witcher. I do enjoy his take on Superman, but I think that Warner Brothers horribly underutilized the character in the you nine, see. ten years yeah. that he's been in the costume. I am not the biggest Zack Snyder fan defender in the world. I think that he's a good director. I think he's a brilliant visual artist. And I did enjoy his Man of Steel. It's not my Superman, so to speak. But I think that his his take on the character as a director and the way that Cavill brought it to the screen was a good modernization of the character for a good modern take on the character. And then you get, what, a year and a half, two years later, Flying Batman, which is just like, that's not the Superman character we want to see. We want to see the bright, hopeful character, not the apathetic, right. meh, I guess I got to save these people, whatever. Care. I don't yeah. want to see that guy flying around. Mopey, mopey Superman. I think Cavill wants to do that Superman, not not the unhappy yeah. Superman. He wants to do that the happy red and blue bright symbol of hope superman and he's never really okay man of steel i enjoy that movie the problems that i have with it are not tied to henry cavill at all as superman i think are they story related a little bit yeah like i i i struggle with i struggle with his dad his or jonathan kent sorry (laughs) everybody did yeah just i i i struggle to me, it was out of character for him to be so much like you've got to hide yourself away completely. Like I get protecting him and things like that, but I don't think Jonathan Kent ever told Clark Kent, like, don't help people just hide yourself away. It was more be careful. Sure. But don't like, yeah. Okay, not at the so, risk of 
So here, I will, I will take I will take that one on really quick. Of course. Look at no no no, but look at this as not a comic fan. Look yeah. at it as a parent. If one of your kids started flying all of a sudden, what's your first reaction? Knock that off. Yeah. You know, stay safe. Yeah, and I but and from also a- the first time in sixty something years that we'd ever seen a Jonathan who wasn't like, you know, well son, you were put here for a reason. Go go help. It was a you're my boy. I'm here to protect you. Yeah. And I think that's why I struggle. Like, I get it from a parental standpoint, for sure. But I think that's part of what made the Kents so amazing as parents is that they were like, well, you're here for a reason. And we're going to share you with the world, yeah. even if that means we lose you, you know? Well, I mean, the fact that you're indestructible. Yeah, well, and that makes it a little bit easier, sure. But <laughs> but so, the, and I just, the tone of the movie was just a little bit darker than I wanted it to be. But that, again, it wasn't because of Henry Cavill. It was because of the direction that they wanted to go with the universe. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am happy to put the Snyder verse completely behind us. Like I am with you on that. Just move on, but I'm okay. Keeping Henry Cavill. And I'm hoping that the reason <laughs> he can't do both Marley is because they are going to be keeping him so busy. I'm hoping there was a conversation between um, Henry Cavill and James Gunn and Peter Safran. Uh, yeah, that where the the three of them sat down and they said, "Look, we've got big, big plans for Superman, and you're going to be in a lot of projects, and you are going to be the face of the franchise in a lot of ways." And I'm hoping that's why he had to make the decision that he had to make, uh, and right. then I'm okay with it. If it's and I, if, if it's just one more movie, I'm going to be a little bit sad. Right, definitely. Um, I also heard this is a rumor. I think that like. Because he was so, so involved with uh, getting The Witcher going and how knowledgeable, knowledgeable he is with, like, the books and the games and all of that, that he was really, like, advocating for that character and for that show. And it just seemed, I, I guess the rumor was that a lot of it, they the show people were kind of going in a different direction and not totally, tr- like, staying true to the source material. And so he had issue with that. Again, I don't know if that's true or not. That could have just been someone else speculating, but it kind of like makes you wonder like, well, maybe that's kind of why he's like jumping ship. But at the same time, I I don't want to think it's that. I, I would just hope that yes, he has a bright future and many more opportunities being Superman. Like, I hope that's what it is and that they're not, um, Witcher's not screwing him over. More opportunities, more money. Well, and if and if it is the case, sorry, No, you're fine. If it is the case that he didn't like the direction Witcher was going, and the producers and the showrunners were going with the show, then that's a great happy circumstance for him to be able to say, "I can walk away from this right now and say it's because I'm doing this other project, <laughs> Superman," and everybody's going to understand that, and I don't have to doesn't have to come to confrontation. And I think it. That is the case. It's a good opportunity for him to walk away without burning any bridges and not. And yeah. and I think Henry Cavill, from all accounts, seems like a pretty decent guy who's not out there just to like. I don't know. There's Wait, some money. celebrities that are going to be like, I'm I'm a I'm in it for me and me alone. And he doesn't strike me as that kind of an individual. I don't know him at all. He could totally be that kind of an individual. But as Black Adam came out, that was also the time that we heard that James Gunn and Peter. Tell me the name again, Robert. Saffron. Saffron uh, are now going to be running 
the DCU, uh, DC Universe on film. We'll call it DCUOF. Um, and that they're going to kind of take a Kevin Feige, Feige Feig role in, in DC where they're going to have kind of, I, I don't know if it's going to be the connected self-contained universe like we've seen with, with MCU that they've tried a couple of times with DC or if they're going to do more standalone projects or what, but they seem to have two pretty capable people at the helm now with a direction that they want to go. What are your guys' thoughts with that announcement? They need two people to run it instead of just one, like Kevin Feige. Checks and balances. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, we'll Sorry. talk about Kevin Feige in Phase 4 here <laughs> no, in a minute, no, I, Colin, I, and I, you I, may be eating your words. I, we'll see. I don't know. I, I got hopes. Black Panther was... Did we'll, you see, we'll get into that, but... Did you see the end of She-Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, We're not even sure if it's a person running things over at Marvel. Exactly. Kevin is something it's else. AI. Someone else. It's the AI. Anyways. I I don't here here's my thing. I don't have any hope for DC right now just because okay. uh they they haven't had a good track record outside of uh their TV universe. Uh their TV universe I felt was really really strong for for a good amount of time and then it started fading out but their their movies have outside of like the dark knight have pretty much just been mediocre okay nothing stand out um uh i'd say the only exceptions being maybe wonder woman and uh black adam uh i really liked but Outside of that, I didn't really like a lot of the other projects. I, I mean, know that I they... think for me, like it was no go ahead, entertainment. Yeah, no, for me, it just kind of was just entertainment. Um, you know, I, I think the movies are fine. Like they're most of them are okay and like they're fun. Um, I especially in I guess you know I said before that I didn't really know much about Black Adam going into it, but because I had watched Shazam before and i i actually really liked that movie i thought i thought that was a really good one especially because i i do enjoy zachary levi but also um i feel like watching that movie kind of helped prepare me a little bit for black adam just in some of the more of the kind of the background lore <laughs> and like his powers and whatnot um but i'm i it, it definitely makes me excited to see what's going to happen um for the future movies and kind of like seeing how everybody ties together. Because one of the things that I love about Marvel and the MCU is I love seeing the crossovers. I love seeing um, somebody that I know in this movie over here and this movie over here, and all of a sudden they're in each other's movies, even if it's just brief or whatever it is. But I, I just love like a good crossover. And so I think the potential with the DCU for crossovers and team-ups and whatnot in the future, especially after Black Adam, I think I think there's definitely going to be a good amount of that. I know there was crossover in Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League and all of that, but I, I think they're trying to kind of, I, I mean, I'm hoping that they're kind of trying to just like move on from that 
and just kind of keep moving forward and be like, well, you know what? There's a bunch of other characters that we want to introduce. I knew nothing really about Hawkman or Dr. Fate or the other two people, um, <laughs> the tornado girl <laughs> and the guy who gets, he's basically Ant-Man, but gets really tall. Um, <laughs> I don't remember their names. Cyclone and Adam Smasher. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know anything about those guys either, but like I liked their parts in this movie because it was fun to see an introduction of some new characters. And you know, I hope we get to see more of the, of those guys in future movies as well. Mm-hmm. I love a good crossover. Well, um, going back to 52 and actually going back to 1974, DC television, we also got a couple of characters in Black Adam who are from other points in the Shazam Black Adam mythology. Um, Adriana Tomaz in the DC comic universe becomes Isis, which is the, the modernization of the character from the 1974 TV series. And her son, who was actually written as her brother in the comics, becomes the equivalent of Captain Marvel Jr. or Freddie Freeman's character in the Black Adam Shazam family. So they've left left that open for, you know, a couple of other Marvel uh, Shazam slash Marvel family characters to be introduced in the you know down the road. <clears throat> Um, we've also seen, well, we also heard Gunn say that, you know, nobody knows what is coming with the DCU other than there's not going to be four Batman in the movie. I am okay with and not okay with, because I was, you know, I am looking forward to seeing Michael Keaton back in his suit, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And the Flash movie is its own, you know, chaotic stew of whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Sasha Kai as Supergirl, you know, I want to see these things. I want to see the crossover that Marley's looking for. But I also want to see a more hopeful, bright DC universe. Because quite frankly, Snyder's universe was dark. That yeah, true. Yeah. And well, his, his original storyline for the Justice League was a total deconstruction of superheroes. But I'm like, Zach, you did that. It was called Watchmen. You did a yeah. great job with that move on yep and and we don't mind it if you're going to do that with your own characters that you've created to kind of prove a point and deconstruct the superhero idea we don't like it if you're going to do that with superman like no like nobody really wants to go to a superman movie where he ends up being the bad guy even if it's an intriguing story like i don't know i don't know about no one i don't want to go to a superman movie where he ends up being the bad guy that's fair but that was the plan right with the justice league story um, it was basically, it was similar to the, Marley, if you know the video game Injustice, mm-hmm. it was going to be similar to that storyline uh, okay. in in the movies, um, but now we're not going to get that, and that's okay with me. So, Do you think that I, they're going to keep Ezra Miller? No. After all this? To be honest, given the way that they've canned Batgirl like that, the fact that they didn't do that with Ezra Miller actually annoys me a lot. Yeah. As problematic as he proved to be early on, and then it just kept going downhill. And they're just kind of like, 
but we got a movie coming up and just let it ride. That bothers me. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's a fantastic movie, but. <sighs> well, I, I worry because I had heard rumors that it was going to kind of be the Flashpoint story, which mm-hmm. may be their kind of opportunity to kind of reset things because in the comics, Flashpoint was a way for them to, from Flashpoint, they could reboot the universe again. Uh, and it led to, I believe that led to the 52 universe, didn't it? No, the new 52. The new 52, yes. The new 52. So would, that, would that lead to a new actor? Then? Grant Gustin? Oh, sorry. It, it could. It <laughs> I could. think Grant Gustin would, would be... That. I think he would be really good to keep in in the Flash role, but that's that would, why I wor- that and that's fun. why I wonder if that's why they haven't canned it because they're we need this to kind of reset and go in the direction we want to go in, but at the same time Ezra Miller has been beyond beyond problematic and they can't bring him back as the Flash after this. And how many movies have we seen where they've replaced actors in the middle of shooting, and or digitally replaced them and just been like. This was not the actor you were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, again, that's one of the things I'm just kind of like, you know, I wish them well with this project, but yeah. Well, and in the Flash TV series, we we did see Ezra Miller in there for a, for a split second mm-hmm. um, during one of the episodes. I, I can't remember. It was exactly now, happened like season it, but... six. He pops in yeah. and that's where he actually gets the idea to call himself the Flash after meeting Greg Gustin's Flash. Yeah. Oh, and then that will forever that. now be tainted because it had Ezra Miller in it. <laughs> and then the show started going downhill and now it's being canceled. I, I think I think I stopped watching around that point. No, I honestly I don't remember where I stopped yeah. watching. I right now they're the filming Flash, the last the last season of The Flash. Mm-hmm. Which maybe yep. that has to do with this. Maybe it's because he's gonna go and become big boy flash. Oh, interesting. Big boy Flash, grown-up Flash. Wow. I'm sure Grant Gustin appreciates you saying maybe he he's going to go become Big Boy Flash, and that's yep. Ezra Miller all of a sudden. Like, wow. Um, I, I'm excited about James Gunn and Peter Safran because I feel like while they've tried this before, Jeff Johns came in for a while and was going to be directing everything. Um, it hasn't been successful. I think James Gunn knows the Hollywood movie market much better than Jeff Johns did. Um, and I think he's got a good respect for these characters. He's He has two of the most successful DC projects not named Batman under his belt with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, which have been hugely successful projects. Uh, and so I'm hoping that with his vision and direction that they can really kind of work something out. And I am the opposite of Colin. I have a lot of hope for where they're going uh, and I think they've got some good ideas going on. I've I've heard rumors that HBO with their Green Lantern series are now going to be focusing on Jon Stewart, which is going to be awesome. Uh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> which we're we're getting Diggle, right? No. Well, they haven't said yet. Um, and they've and they've actually backed away from Diggle being Green Lantern in the What's Left of the Arrowverse, which which is so sad oh. because there was so much lead up to him becoming that throughout mm-hmm. all the different shows and then nothing. And to be fair, you know, I think that it does open things up for David Paul Ramsey to do other things and not just be John Diggle for right. the next 30 years yeah. if it's not what he wants to do. But, you know, as a fan of this John Stewart character, I'm not going to lie when they said that they've gone from 
being, uh, you know, basically Hill Street Blues and being more of an ensemble cast with different lanterns to focusing more on Stuart and possibly bringing Alan Scott in as an elder, as you know, elder statesman lantern. Mm-hmm. I was like, I am, I'm, I'm paying attention now, and they've yeah. gone back to kind of bringing John Stewart to the forefront with their animate their last animated feature, Beware My Power. Yeah, which was kind of a weird blending of. John's story and Hal Jordan's story, but it still put John as the lantern, as the primary lantern in this movie. And I'm, I'm hoping, I, I'm hopeful for something. Like, I, John Stewart's a great character, um, one, one of my favorite lanterns. Okay, Hal Jordan's probably my favorite favorite, but I like John Stewart a lot. Uh, you, um, you don't have to. You don't have to. You know, I, no, I, know. I realize there's 3,600 other lanterns out there. You know, somebody's going to like some <laughs> other lantern than I do. Hal's just pretty awesome. He's had his moments, obviously. Parallax was not his best moment. You guys, I just, when you said Peacemaker, sorry, a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago, I just remembered there was there was a crossover in Black Adam. Have you guys seen the Peacemaker mm. series, mm-hmm. by the way? I, yes, I, think, I think we know, Marley, that I have not seen the Peacemaker series, but. Wait, wait, I know. what? Why not? I know, I know. I know. Okay, but it was really good. I really enjoyed that show. John Cena, fantastic. But at the end, near the end of Black Adam, we get... um, Harcourt. Yeah, Agent Harcourt, who works for Amanda Waller. And we got Amanda Waller, too, of Mm -hmm. course. Like, played by... um, Viola Davis. Thank you, Viola Davis. I was going to say Kerry Washington, and I'm like, that's wrong, that's wrong. (laughs) Um, She's Alicia Masters in the old Fantastic Four movies. Wait, what? Jerry Washington <laughs> played Alicia Masters oh. in Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I did not. I have not seen that movie in at least like fifteen years. Um, I because I just know them both from the Shondaverse, um, and <laughs> they're both awesome leading leading ladies in their shows. And sometimes I get their names mixed up. But anyways, Viola Davis. Yes, now we've seen her a few times as Amanda Waller because um, she showed up in the new, the newer Suicide Squad as well. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that was a really fun surprise to see Agent Harcourt there. Like I like seriously, I like because I watched Peacemaker with my husband Jason, and when she showed up, I like smacked his leg. I'm like, you know who that is? <laughs> I'm like, look, look. <laughs> well, and, so that was fun. And that's one thing that I feel like they're starting to do a little bit better in dc i i really felt like they tried to rush to try to catch up with marvel when they did batman v superman and then the justice league and then they're like oh we should probably do an origin movie for aquaman and an origin movie for wonder woman and it was all after the fact and i they just kind of did things out of order but now they're starting to sprinkle in these little things where you can see that it's a shared universe but it's not like in your face kind of shared universe and that's what marvel did as they started building up throughout phase one and then, you know, culminating with the, the Avengers and, and all of that. And they continue to do it really well all throughout phase four. See how we segued now over to Marvel. Oh, we're doing oh, Marvel now. Yeah. We're good. We're doing Marvel now. All right. We're jump jeans. Yay! All right. I'm not putting the eye patch on. Sorry. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> so, so Marvel just wrapped their phase four and that's why we wanted to talk it has been a mixed bag as far as the reception for phase four. Uh, and this is where I would say to you, Colin, is it really good that there's only one person running the show over at Marvel or 
could he benefit from having somebody to bounce ideas off of and say, <laughs> no, Kevin, we got to do more. We got to do something different. I oh. mean, I would assume that Kevin Feige has a pretty close team that he works with to spin up ideas. I, I don't think it's truly just him. Listen, I'm not the one who made the comment about, oh, they need two guys to do it, not just one person can do it. That was you that made the comment. It was, it was. I'm just revisiting the comment. All right, all right. Let's but let's, where, I mean, but look at, let's, let's look at his track going. record for the past, what, 17 years now? I mean, if he's been the only, the, the glue there and yeah. has done it up until phase four for a lot of people, I actually think the phase four has been necessary. And I think that going from WandaVision all the way through to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, they bookended it properly and perfectly in dealing with trauma, grief, and loss. And, you know, you could, to, start, to start the entire thing with a show that is, what, seven different genres of comedy dealing with grief and loss mm -hmm. and making that work. I know that a lot of people were like the first couple episodes like, I don't get this. What's going on here? And as you can see, how how traumatized Wanda is as the series progressed, but they still kept the through line of her story and did it in different genres of different types of comedy all the way through. I think that was kind of brilliant, just as a you know, if you want to call it a ploy or a tactic, sure, but it worked. And then Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. <sighs> A lot of emotions in this movie, all yeah, the way through. Yeah. I mean, start oh to finish. Yeah. But I think that all of the movies of Phase Four, including Shang Chi, which didn't have as much of the um, loss and trauma for in, in the forefront. Although you know that you the loss of his mother that changed his life arc. Mm -hmm. um, all of the movies have done a good job of progressing the you know how people dealt with, well, you were dead for five years, but you came back or somebody didn't come back or what have you. And how do you deal with that? So I think that phase four served its purpose. Well, well, and we're, we're learning a lot about characters that we haven't explored a lot on. A lot of these characters were, were considered, you know, just background B characters. Right. Uh, so we're learning more, uh, about our new Captain America, about Bucky, about Wanda and um, <clears throat> Doctor Strange, and and really diving into Loki. who they are, where they're going, going forward in Loki, <laughs> uh, and and I think those all have their purposes, and we're also bringing in the Young Justice or not Young, Young Avengers. Oh my Young gosh. Avengers. Oh my god. Sorry, I'm sorry, guys. That was, I'm sorry. Young Avengers. Oh, my I, don't, I don't know what just happened. Yeah, I think I've got to drop him I, from I think it's because I was talking comment. to Justice Society earlier. and I, Yeah, well, that's wow. good. Justice, young fine. Justice is Justice League, but that's fine. Justice Society. Back. Anyways. <laughs> young Avengers? Is that yeah. who we're talking about? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're talking Young Avengers. I'm bringing the Young Avengers in and so there's there's a lot of development that we're seeing leading in and just like robert said i think it's all necessary i think it's it's we, we before we had this this whole 10 years to get to know these other characters 
And now we're trying to get to that a lot faster. And so that's where we're getting a lot of these TV shows to try to ramp up those timelines, especially when we have two Avenger movies releasing in the same year. Yeah. Supposedly. Well, and I, I think even beyond just the young Avengers, I think what they're doing in the MCU right now by establishing a lot of these characters that are kind of these replacements for some of the original Not Avengers. replacement, kind of the- legacy. Legacy. Thank you. Mm, they are addressing a problem that has existed in the comics for a very, very long time where they try to replace these characters and then they never really like they do for a while. And then they come back like Superman died, but then he got better and he was fine. And he came back <laughs> like Batman oh, died yeah. and you know, Dick Grayson really takes over as Batman, but then he comes back and everything's fine. And, and they've never really been able to pass that torch, but, you have to deal with the realities of making movies that eventually the actors are going to say, I think I've brought everything I can to Captain America. It's time for me to move on. So how do you do that? And I like that, that Disney and Marvel are trying to address that now. Like Thor's not going to be around. Chris Hemsworth as Thor is not, as Thor is not going to be around forever. So now do we start looking at how love comes into that picture and, and how does she take up that kind of that mantle or that place or beta Ray bill. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, oh, I'm all for it. Beta Ray Bill would be awesome. But but I think that they're trying to address some of that. Some of it they've had to. Um, they've had to find a way to address it. Uh, and some of it is more of just uh, we, we need to be prepared for when that happens. And I'm okay with that. Like, I would love for them. It would be great in the next Spider-Man film to introduce Miles Morales. And how is he going to come in and take the place of Peter Parker down the road and things like that. I'm, I'm good with those kinds of things because it needs to happen more in the comics and have it actually happen, but they have to make it happen in the movies because they're not going to be those characters forever. And I think we're seeing more of that, you know, but I agree, Robert, I think phase four had to happen. I like a lot of the character development that happened in phase four. I know that it may be an unpopular opinion. I love Thor love and thunder and I like where they've taken Thor's character um, and I think how he's dealing with the grief and pain that he's had to deal with is very real for some people. And I think that they're not shying away from that. And I think it's a good thing. And we've seen that well, again and again. So here's a question for you, then. Given that for the past two years, we've been dealing with trauma after trauma after trauma within the MCU. And, you know, Thor, as you said, the way that they portrayed it there was very realistic i think that all of the traumas they've shown with the possible exception of the eternals has been realistic views of people dealing with grief and it's not all the same way which i think is Mm -hmm. great everybody doesn't you know wear their hearts on their sleeves or doesn't you know bury it deep everybody's been dealing with it differently however two years long time and for entertainment in a contain in a shared universe very long time and it's a lot of investment for the viewers And I saw something online yesterday asking or saying, you know, are Marvel fans finally experiencing fatigue or superhero fatigue? And I'm wondering if it's not so much superhero fatigue, but I'm tired of being bludgeoned over the head with trauma and loss and angst and all of these things that we've gotten for the past two years. Where up to that point, with the exception of, uh, Infinity, I'm sorry, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, it was 
kind of like, you know, everything's exciting and new and, and hopping. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just like, ooh, I just got gut punched by something. So I'm wondering, you know, where does that fine line between, you know, movie fatigue and just emotional, you've worn me down. Yeah. And I think, I think it's only magnified in the fact that the real world has not been great over the last two years. Sure. Either. Yeah. I mean, when we're dealing with the loss and everything that happened with Endgame, it's right in the middle of the pandemic and then everything that happened in addition. I mean, there's been a lot of trauma and um, pain and loss just in the real world. And so to have your heroes going through that same thing at the same time, I think you're right, Robert. I think there's a certain amount of fatigue there that all of that ties in together where we're all just kind of tired. Like we would like something happy yeah. and fun and exciting. So Especially... give us the and we'll be fine. <laughs> well, I mean, initially, there's a lot of suffering that happens with the X, but I guess it's not necessarily a happy story. Yeah, with they may not be the happiest example to go to. Yeah, okay. Give us the Fantastic Four and we'll be fine. Yes. Deadpool. More Deadpool. Oh, man. Uh, I, and I, I think you're very right, Jake. And, and I think uh, Captain America and uh, the Winter Soldier is uh, a very good example of that, where it's hitting so close because it's such real world things that are happening now that make that even more amplified. Well, and a point that I made, uh, I came up for was during um, Utah Remote Con or during an episode of um, the movies of Makis, where we touched on uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where I said that to that point, Black Panther had been the blackest thing that Marvel had done. And then you get the opening episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And Sam's like, hey, I need a loan. And, he, and the bank man's just kind of like, that's nice. I want lunch. What's your point? Yeah. You know, what, what, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, Sam's just like, you know, I've saved the world. I've done all the things, but I can't save my family home. Falcon. And I mean, it just, it's just as a black man watching that show, it's just like, wow, they didn't pull that punch at all. And that's something that I think that a lot of, a lot of America who are, you know, don't have that reality facing them when they walk down the street or they go into the bank, which is like, oh, why was he that mean to him? That's yeah. just life. That's, that's day to day. And that's your second... <laughs> Yeah, your second series, that third series out of the gate, you know, it's like, well, okay, we're, we're actually doing this. So I think that the fatigue for just the emotional trauma that we have, you know, we can't escape because our lives are not awesome and the world isn't awesome. So we go to watch a TV show or a movie for escape and our heroes are feeling that. It's just like, oh, oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's you haven't been able to go to a Marvel movie and say, you know, I just I want to get away from everything that's going on, all the crap in the world, because they've incorporated a lot of it in the movies, which on the one hand, I love. And I think that they've done it in a way that's very true to what the comic like the source material, because Captain America in those comics, they deal with a lot more of the real world issues like they did in Falcon and Winter Soldier and like captain america did in in captain america and the winter soldier and, and things like that where they kind of it, it's a little bit it's a little bit more grown up it feels like not to well, say that like the other okay. stuff isn't well and, and it's to be fair to give to be to give marvel credit or give marvel studios credit you know marvel has branded itself as the world outside your window yeah 
and they literally put that right in front of you on the screen. So it is you know, a nice, a, an interesting mirror in juxtaposition of real life versus fantasy or where, you know, art imitates life. Yeah. And, and Marvel has always done that much better than DC, you know, where DC had Metropolis and Gotham city, Marvel had New York and San Francisco, and these were real places and real events. And, um, and I like seeing that reflected in the MCU, even if it is hard to watch sometimes, but but really, when you look at every Marvel Phase Four project, all of them kind of were like, "Oh man, that was had good parts, but but it was also crappy, not quality wise, but just like <laughs> the circumstances." Like she had some great moments, but at the same time, you're like, "Man, it must really suck just being a woman." Period, and you know those kinds of things that I don't. It's interesting. It's, Actually, it just took us for an emotional roller coaster, is what it did. Every every single show because we we got to see all sorts of different issues and like what you were saying, Robert, how everybody deals with stuff differently and they deal with grief differently and trauma and whatnot and and even even some of our coming of age um, shows that we got like with Ms. Marvel, you know, I mean she's she's a teenager doesn't mean she hasn't had any problems in her life, but like she has her own set of problems and so it was interesting to see. Um, her side of things and get to know that character as well. And so it's just, it gave us a really good variety and it gave it to us in such a small amount of time. And I think that, you know, that kind of, it, it pays, plays a huge part in the fatigue that a lot of people had, you know, a lot of people I know um, haven't seen all the shows or the movies because they're like, I just can't keep up. There's just, there's a new one every month. And it's like, I need more. <laughs> That's just me. Well, to go back to Jake's point, though, I, I think he'd be even slightly being light about it. But, you know, it must kind of suck to be a woman in the MCU. What's your take on that? Because a lot of the stronger, a lot of the you know, stronger female characters in the MCU have not fared well over the past three, four years. I mean, Black Widow. Yeah gone um i was shocked with what they did with queen ramunda in the most recent mm -hmm. movie it was just like wow that that you know didn't end well and as as a female movie you know watcher as an entertainment consumer what is it what does it mean to you to see marvel develop and build up a strong female character and then all of a sudden she just dies or you never hear of her again right yeah i i have to go back to she hulk um to use my example because i actually really enjoyed that show it was different mm -hmm. and unique and it didn't take itself seriously but at the same time there were those um overarching themes um especially with um being a female in this world and even being a single female and trying to date and whatnot. Like, I feel like at least for me, it was more, she was more relatable, especially when she was trying to be Jen Walters, because that's still who she is. She's still Jen Walters, but she's also now she Hulk, you know? And so seeing her trying to, um, I guess, play both worlds a little bit, but also kind of see what, she hulk would look like 
in the dating world and trying to be normal, it still was just like really interesting to see because like, man, I've done the online dating stuff. I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore, but like, it's, it's rough. It is really rough. Like a lot of the things she experienced, I was like, yeah, I know exactly. Like, I know I'm very familiar with that whole process or whatnot. But then like, if you look at kind of some of the other, like the previous um, female characters, like Captain Marvel or, even Wanda, you know, like their stories are focused on so much other things, more, you know, kind of saving the world or whatnot, that it's, She-Hulk was just, I feel like it just really shined a light and, and brought us to be able to see some more of those kind of um, issues that, that women, you know, could possibly be dealing with. And Was this something and, of a palate cleanser for you in, in a certain sense? I, I think so. I It's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward especially after this show i'm trying to think of like what's the next thing probably the marvels is i i wonder if that's one of the, I'm not sure if it's the marvels or iron heart because i think they oh, come out roughly the same time yeah i'm not sure but i i hope that they kind of dive into some more i guess what you could say real issues <laughs> real quote unquote mm-hmm. just because like i feel like it makes the characters like more relatable. I mean, they've done that a lot with with male characters and and kind of, you know, what's going on in their lives and how they're dealing with things. And so it's nice to be able to see it on the female side now too. And even, I mean, I'm not I'm not a, a mother, so I don't really totally I don't know if I can totally relate to Queen Rwanda, especially from um, the movie, but like at the same time like I could still feel and and you know, you can still have like those emotions of how she was as a mother and trying to, you know, help her daughter and also at the same time, take care of her, her kingdom, her country, you know, and duty and, and whatnot. And so like, that was also a pretty powerful thing to see her and of course, Shuri and in, in her journey of grief and overcoming that, like, man, that, I feel like that whole movie, Shuri was my, like my favorite part for the entire thing and just how her character was. It was so refreshing to see her in that way. Cause we didn't see that in the previous Black Panther movie. She was just kind of that fun bubbly, oh, I made this cool new thing, I'm really smart, which is great. I love that she is that way, but it was so nice to be able to really dive deep into her character. And I think she, she really changes uh, kind of kind of the major, I don't want to say push, but the major uh, feeling around uh, female actors today, like lead female actors need to be this super, super strong, independent woman. Doesn't, doesn't need anyone to tell her what to do. Shuri really goes about finding herself a lot differently. Uh, and yeah, she's trying to figure things out on her own, but she's also taking in what everyone else is saying around her. Um, especially, uh, with her relationship with, um, oh, what's his name? Mbaka. Uh, Mbaka. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, just, just the way that she carries herself is much different. A lot of the typical characters that we see. Well, to be fair, looking at the way the movie was structured, they broke her three minutes into the movie and they broke her hard. Mm -hmm. And then 
you know, she's she's a year later still not coping with that. She's just kind of trying to keep it in the, you know, the back of her mind, not think about it, which I think was fantastic that when Ramonda took her to the to the lakeside and they were talking, she's like, I can't do that. I can't think about my brother or I'm going to want to burn the world down. Yeah. And to, to be able to, to be that free and open to say that right off the bat. And then, you know, what, a week later or a couple of weeks later, her mother dies. So in the span of six years, she lost her father, her brother twice, and her mother. And, you know, she actually didn't listen to anybody. She was pretty much, damn the torpedoes, this is what I'm doing. And if you're in my way, that's your problem. Until, you know, M'Baku tried to pull her aside, tried to tell her, this is not what your mother wants for you. She's like, my mother's dead. Her dream for me is dead. That doesn't matter anymore. And she was still, you know, very focused on, I want revenge. Mm -hmm. Until she finally was able to internalize her anger and her grief and and focus on moving forward, not just being a blunt instrument. It's, it's very powerful. Her, her whole story is just really powerful. Like you said, Robert, the, you know, losing that many people that mattered so much to her, like I'd be setting the world on fire too. Like honestly, so related. And didn't and could have so easily, especially mm-hmm. after yeah. the uh, incursion in the outreach center. And she could have right. been just like, well, you had your chance. Yeah. This is what we can do. <laughs> and she didn't. And I loved yeah. the way that they portrayed her with that. Because she was like, I'm carrying all of this on my shoulders, but I'm not venting it at the world. But but that's what made her such a great queen. Even without the title, I don't think she needed the title to be. I mean, she was just awesome. But she's another one of the Marvel women that's strong and powerful. And then their only use is really in the end of the, at the end of the day to make that sacrifice play. You know, Black Widow does the same thing. Uh, Jane Foster does the same thing. Um, Marvel's got not a great track record there and so i'm hoping we see more of that and yeah, i'm hoping sure. i'm hoping that uh jane becomes a case of we don't have a body so to speak because it seems like they could be setting her up to be valkyrie going forward which yeah. would you know actually end the trend of well we made a great character and we killed her but if they bring her back in a thor adjacent role i think that would be a good step in the right direction. I hope so. I mean, I know a lot of people were pretty upset after that movie because, well, wait a second, we just got her and now she's gone. Like, Again? yeah. And and especially well, with but Thor, the after credits, yeah. they they allude to there being something coming back. Yeah, definitely, um, and, definitely. And I think we may even see Heimdall <laughs> back as well. Yeah, because Idris Elba doesn't have enough to do. No, I think he's playing. I think he's going to start playing the Witcher, is what I heard. (laughs) And the Witcher. I'd be okay with that, actually. He would be awesome. He's an incredible actor. Better than than Liam Hemsworth. I know Liam Hemsworth is kind of the dollar store version of his brother, unfortunately. So, (laughs) so unfortunate. But But yeah, I I think we're going to have have some great female characters coming in. Mm-hmm. Malakon, Kate Bishop. We've still Susan got Richards. Captain Marvel. We've still got Wasp. We're getting Susan Richards or Storm. My my sis, I jo- I laugh every time we talk about the Fantastic Four because at a family dinner not too long ago, 
my sister who is who only knows Marvel from the movies. She's not a comic book reader. When she found out that Mr. Fantastic was in Multiverse of Madness, she's like, it made me so mad. The Fantastic Four don't belong in Marvel. And I, <laughs> my brother and I kind of both just looked at her, what? You knew how silly that sounds right now because they totally are the first family of Marvel. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, they're literally the first. Yeah. Like, but she's not familiar. To her, the Fantastic Four are the, the movies block. that have come out that are not part of the MCU. And she feels <clears> the same way about the X Men. She does not want the X Men to come into the MCU what? because they don't belong in the MCU. Yes, they okay. do. Oh, sweetie. We've yeah. been waiting. I know. Not very patiently, but we've been waiting. Because yeah. any mention of X-Men, we're like, oh my gosh, X-Men, it's finally happening. Like, we even got it in She-Hulk, you guys. It was yeah. so subtle. Yeah. So, so subtle that, like, fans had to, like, point it out and be like, did you guys, did, did anyone else see this? Well, like, it's just like, come on. Yeah, the, the two big ones, too, we got at the end of Miss Marvel when he talks to her about being a mutant and that's why the powers interacted with her the way that they did Um, he doesn't say that she's a mutant but that she's there's a mutation Mutation. in your your blood right but But i don't care that was close enough to mutant that i was but when they did that when they did that though if you listen very carefully they played the x-men yes very quickly right there (laughs) yes oh i caught it i was like I started slapping my wife, not slapping my wife, but like swatting. <laughs> what at I her. did, yeah. I said, you know what that is? That's the X Men song. Um, well, they knew they what they were just, doing. It was on yeah. purpose. It was very intentional. And then we get Namor, who yeah, is Namor. Also yeah. a and he and said he's that. a mutant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're coming, and they're bringing it in, and I like it. I'm I'm here for it. I don't know when they're going to be in or when we're going to see them, but it'll be soon. Well, uh, well, we're getting. Yeah, whenever we get the Deadpool movie, we get Wolverine. So I don't know if that's going to be their first inroad or their, you know, their main thing, but it's a start. Yeah. And at this point, and even when when we saw uh, Charles Xavier in Multiverse of Madness and he came in with his floating uh, hover chair, hover chair, like. Like that is 90s cartoon Charles Xavier (laughs) right there on the screen. It's perfect. I was so happy. That was fantastic. Oh, my goodness. But we the first one that comes out in Phase 5 is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And it looks insane. I like what they've done with King the Conqueror so far in that it's been very similar to what they did with Thanos, where he showed up at the end credits of Avengers, but then wasn't in, wasn't didn't show up until Infinity War, really like full force and that was years and years later and i think they're kind of doing that with king where we got him in loki as the one who remains and now we're going to get him again some form of him in quantum mania i'm I'm sorry you mean you mean spy kids three here's the thing (laughs) thank you robert (laughs) here's the thing movie fans we are going to get into some weird and wacky stuff with the marvel cinematic universe and the the things that are to come. I mean, I think they're kind of at this point saying we're take all, all taking out all the stops. We're just going, I mean, quantum mania is going to be the quantum realm is not a weird, it's not a normal place. It's weird. The only thing Our, that really, that, you know, I miss is that they, that Marvel has lost the micronauts uh, license and they can't yeah. bring them in. Cause it'd be like, Oh my goodness, we're going to hit the micronauts. No, yeah. we're not. 
No. Aww. Unfortunately, we won't. But I, it should still be really good. I'm hoping, I mean, Paul Rudd makes everything better, and I think we need to move on from Phase 4 emotionally, and I think he's just the just the guy to help us move along. But if it ends up being sad and emotional, I'm going to be done. Like, I won't. I'll watch all of them. You heard it here first, first folks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jake, you said you were going to be done on Age of Geek. Whatever. <laughs> Prove it. I don't, but it's recorded. We can I see it right there. Here you go. No, no, still proven. Fake news. Deep fake. <laughs> that was a deep fake me. But but then we're then we get Secret Invasion, Guardians of the Galaxy three. I, I think there's some good stuff coming. Oh, and we have uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday edition coming out this week. Yep. Yes. Oh yeah! How fun Friday is that going to be? Out. I hope it's going to be fun. I mean, I think we're talking about that next week. I think the preview had Kevin Bacon in it, so I don't think it's spoiling anything that Kevin Bacon is in it, but that just makes me so happy. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know this. Yeah. Oh, it's in oh, the yeah. trailer. I need to go watch the trailer. I yeah. haven't seen the trailer. I saw, I, like, one promo, and it just had Drax and, um, what is her name? Mantis. Mantis. Mantis, thank you. I was going to say something else, like some other bug, and I'm like, I know this is wrong. But it only really has those two in it. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see who actually shows up in it, right? I th- and Kevin Bacon. And, and Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. It'll be Mantis, Drax, and Kevin Bacon. I don't know what else you need to make your holiday merry and bright. Seriously. I could tell you. I, I, I didn't I'm see okay a recreation of a scene from Footloose. <laughs> At that oh point, gosh. all done. Drax, Drax just you know doing little Footloose dance, just like, okay, check. Yep, that's it. That's all I needed. My Christmas list done. done. That's all I, I needed. Think, I think I'm okay with this. This is going to be great. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun. James Gunn, he has such a unique voice for the Guardians of the Galaxy that I think he's been able to really bring these characters. When they announced the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I was like, this is it. This is going to be Marvel's first flop because nobody knows Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody cares about a talking tree. It only says one thing and a raccoon that talks like nobody is going to be interested in that. And I was thankfully very, very wrong because I love the first guardians of the galaxy movie. James Gunn was the perfect director for it and told a great story. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the holiday special and for volume three. Oh yeah. Well, I'm hoping sure. Volume yeah. three also cleans up the last, uh, the, the, te- the trailer scene from guardians two with Adam Warlock. Yes. Oh, and it yes, doesn't even yes. need to complete it. I just need to see him in it. In the same way that Val needs to see Shang-Chi somewhere else. Yeah. I need to see Adam Warlock in this in this thing. Yeah. It That's was so true. It was surprising we didn't get Adam Warlock for the Infinity Saga. Yeah. Well, and I just okay, I know we're I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I just I have to say back to my whole crossover rant about DC. Okay. I think my one complaint about this uh, phase four of Marvel the last two years, there has been a severe lack of crossovers. Wong. I'm sorry, Wongers. Okay. One crossover. One crossover with Wongers. Oh my gosh. Well, no, because he was in. um, Well, I mean, one character is what I mean. Like, there's the one person. But, like, there were, I feel like there were so many other opportunities. And they just didn't do it. Like a really good example, Multiverse of Madness. They're literally talking about the multiverse, but like 
why couldn't Loki show up in that instance or Spider-Man? Or Marley, we don't need we don't need Loki in every Marvel movie. I don't know how many times we have to tell you Loki doesn't have to be in every Marvel movie. <laughs> ah! I, that was not me. I did not say ah! that. <laughs> I disagree. I know. Totally. But, we got, but no, we, like there's just so much more potential, and like there were so many different things that you're just like, okay, we, like we you got guys. crossovers. We, we got Daredevil. Did, yeah, Daredevil shows up in She-Hulk, and he also shows up in No Way Home. Captain Marvel, even though it's a split second, is at the end of uh, of Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, but like Doctor Strange is in Spider Man No Way Home, or even like they do the thing where the actor doesn't actually show up, but they like call them on the phone or something. I don't know. Like I just there was a severe lack of it. It just seemed like everybody just kind of had their own stories. I I, I mean, Wanda was in Doctor Strange. Well, I hate to harp on the on the thing about uh, grief and, and trauma, but I think that one of the things they may have been using this for, and I have no idea if this was planned or not, but you know, I can't go to this group I've been hanging out with for six years to talk about X, Y, or Z, and everybody just kind of being on their own little island of grief. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that was intentional or not. I mean, we did, and you know, we joked about it a minute ago. There were some crossovers. But you don't see, you know, any of the Avengers hanging out. You don't see any of the other characters that popped up over here showing up over there. For, That's not for the most true, part. though, because we did see all the Avengers in Hawkeye. No, you're fired. No. You're fired. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you are so. Fired. We're not. We're not counting the musical. <laughs> no, and when we okay. do, but we'll and- fist. When we do see some of the characters cross over, so like we got Guardians of the Galaxy in Thor: Love and Thunder, they they were there, yeah, that is but, true. but they were not good. Well, no, <laughs> and, and I agree. Not. But one of the things that's key, Robert, that kind of plays into what you're saying, where they're kind of on their own island of grieving and whatever, they're only there basically to leave Thor alone. Like they're only yeah. there so that they that he can really feel abandoned and alone. Because mm-hmm. if they weren't there so they could leave, then he wouldn't have that it wouldn't be the utter aloneness that he was aloneness isn't a word, but we're going to go with it. That he was loneliness. Feeling. Loneliness. That's probably, yeah. the word. but it almost felt like a slight disservice uh, to the guardians of the galaxy as well, because they can't handle things without Thor. Like well, here's, Thor here's my problem with it and save the day every time or, or that's uh, at least what's implied. So this is where, I think that Taika Watiti failed because I think that he tried to write he tried to write the Guardians like James Gunn, but I'm making a Thor movie, so they became the comic relief for him in that first ten minutes of the movie. And he tried, I think he tried to write them the way that Gunn would, but didn't have the same feel for them that James Gunn does, and they kind of came off as very two dimensional. Yeah, where we've had two movies to get used to all of them, all of their uh, idiosyncrasies and their interactions with each other. And it was just kind of like, hey, we're the Guardians, but he's going to do all the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they they also said, oh, yeah, we're going to go split up and we're going to go help fight this this battle. And then you don't see him ever again. Like, yeah. If, if you're yeah. fighting the same battle, you would think that it would at least link up eventually. Say the, the crossover point, though, it, it's valid. 
every other phase of the MCU, we've had at least one Avengers movie. I was just going to bring that up. And so we didn't you. have that in phase four. There was no Avengers in, in phase four. Because there's no and, Avengers. And maybe, and maybe that's, well, you're right. You're totally right, Robert. But like, I feel like maybe that's why I felt a little shorted in se- in phase four. I was going to say season four. Phase four. Season because four. Because we didn't get that combo movie. Yeah, okay, we got WandaVision and Doctor Strange. We got the Guardians in the Thor movie. Like, I get that, but like, we didn't get the one with yeah. a whole bunch of team up. And, and maybe that's why I feel like there just wasn't enough crossover. It was just a lot of little stories. But at the same time, it's all just leading up to the big stuff that we know is coming. Yeah, and, and I think that plays back to what we were discussing earlier, where we had we had 10 years to build up all these other characters and they weren't doing crossovers back then either. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of the, the new playing field. Yeah. And of course, then we're going to get secret invasion and find out that half of them were scrolls anyway. So they weren't even the real characters. Right. Oh my gosh. I, oh, that's going to be, gonna, it's gonna be gonna a freaking dream sequence. So I'm going to go ahead and put <laughs> my request to be here when you do the secret war or the secret invasion discussion. Yes. I'd like yes. to be here for that. Because yes. I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to have a few things to say. Please, <laughs> Robert, you're you're, I, you're there. It, I'm telling you, there are going to be moments where we are, where we are going to find out that key people in the MCU are actually scrolls and have been for a number of Here, years. Here's my one my one person that I think is a scroll, and you will you hear it here first. Sharon Carter to go oh. from Agent Thirteen in Captain Winter America Soldier. Winter Soldier and seeing her character there, and then the way that she appears in Falcon and the Winter Soldier as the power broker, something happened, and I'm thinking that she's not who she says she is. I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good guess. Mm-hmm. And and I the like reason that. for that is the fan dissatisf- dissatisfaction with how that arc turned for her. I think that is the easiest way for Marvel to go. Oh no, she was she was over here in a freezer or, or not a freezer in a hibernation. Please don't put <laughs> I was thinking of Bucky when they kept putting him in a little thing in yeah, uh, like the little yeah, the chamber the, thing. The chamber. It's like no, it's suspended animation. Listen, Please Marvel, do not fridge Sharon Carter. Yeah, I was gonna say Marvel's got their own issue with putting girls in the fridge. We don't need that to continue. Yeah. But no, I, I wanted I wanted to be able to say that, you know. That's not the Sharon Carter you got to know over the other movies. Yeah. That is, yeah. And that's the that's easiest true. way to go. It wasn't her. Yep. And I think yeah. that that's a really good good guess. Um, I don't know. Here's your I, answer, Kevin Feige. Just yeah. cut the check. There you go, K-E-V-I-N. <laughs> Kevin. The AI is listening. <laughs> so, All right. So there you go. I don't know, listeners, viewers, if we came to any kind of conclusion about... <laughs> which one's better or which one's going in a better direction. I think there's a lot to look forward to with both of them. Uh, I think the fatigue, like you mentioned, Robert is real, but I'm hoping that we're now going into a new phase where there's going to be, where it's building up to things instead of dealing with the aftermath of, yeah, of what happened. So I think that, I think that the thing that we have to look forward to for both of them, let's call it uncharted territory, especially Mm -hmm. on the DC side, because you have two entirely new takes on uh, the, the DC characters, and they've seen how dark it can go, and how, how poorly, for the most part, that was received. And they can only really 
go up from there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hopeful for Shazam uh, Fury of the Gods to be fun and light and uplifting like the first Shazam movie was. Mm-hmm. Please let it be. You know, I'm hoping for fewer Wonder Woman 84s and more Shazams. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And on I... the Marvel side, we, you know, we have, they're, they're quietly building a Young Avengers, not Young Justice. Um, Who? Yeah, right. And no one's talking about. And they're planning, you know, you know, all these outrageous things. So I'm really hoping that we're getting more of wonder, but also a bit of escapism back in the move in those movies that we haven't had for a couple of years with either side. And who knows, maybe Bob Iger will get it all back on track for Marvel. Oh my gosh. That's that's a whole nother that's a whole episode for a different time. I know, seriously. Let's not and say we did. Okay, fine. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here. Robert, thank you for being here and being oh, our special guest. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, we always appreciate you being on the show. We will definitely have you back for Secret Invasion when we get to that point. Yes. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about after that series. I, yeah, get your scorecards ready. Yeah, uh-huh. if there's not something to talk about after that series, then they have greatly failed. There's something wrong. But in the meantime, everybody, you can find us on all of the social media places, including, I think, I think we're still on Twitter. Which yes. is good. I think we're the last two people on Twitter, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but you can still find. Did us you create there. us a, a Hive account? I saw you created one for for movies that make us. I, I haven't created a Hive account yet for Age of Geek. So yeah, it's, it's the yeah. cool new shiny thing. It, it's okay. the cool new thing. I don't know if I'd call it shiny yet. They're still <laughs> yeah. working on it. <laughs> still we'll dealing see. with load issues. But uh, <laughs> but you can also join our Discord server. We will put the link to that uh, in the description for this video. Um, or in the description for the audio episode. Or you can just go to discord.ageofgeek.com. Yep, you can do that too. That's true. That's great. Or we'll just flash up the QR code so you, when you get it on your phone, you can try to scan it with your phone on your phone. Oh, wait, that doesn't work. <laughs> so anyway, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Age of Geek. This has been an Age of Geek media production. 